A song at its most basic is essentially three parts. We have a chord progression, we have a melody, and we have lyrics. So in this episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast, we are talking about three principles to write better melodies. Let's talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joseph Dalla. Honored that you would take some time out of your busy day, out of your busy week to talk songwriting with me. I'm glad that you're passionate enough about songwriting to listen or watch a entire podcast. That's pretty awesome. That pumps me up. Glad that there are people that still care about the craft of songwriting in today's day and age. Of course, there are, but still, it's always encouraging that people are. If you haven't already, be sure to grab my free guide on 10 different ways to start writing a song, especially if you are diving into this. Maybe this is the first episode you've listened to, or maybe you're just now finally like, you know what? I want to start songwriting. Be sure to grab this guide. It gives five ways to start a song from a lyrical standpoint and five from a musical standpoint. If you're new to songwriting, obviously it will help. It'll give you 10 different options of how to start your song, which is a great way to make sure that at least one of them will probably work well for you. But also if you're more seasoned songwriter, if you've been a listener for a while, you know this, but I'm a big proponent of changing up how we start our songs because I think that's the easiest way to conquer writer's block. If we constantly sit and try to write a song or start a song the same way every time, One thing that will usually happen is your songs will start to sound the same and you'll start to feel creatively dry. Another thing that will happen is you might just come up with nothing good at all and you'll start to think, what's wrong with me? Do I suck at this? And the answer is no, you don't suck at this. It's just we all run creatively dry if we try to do the same thing over and over again. So that's the songwritertheory.com slash free guide. So three principles I want to talk about for writing better melodies. This is a part of a, I think, four-part series that's become um, where I want to take a step back and just talk about overarching principles because sometimes we get so in the weeds with specific tips, which I think are super useful. I wouldn't talk about them if I didn't think they were. But sometimes I think it's important to talk about just bigger principles that you can apply that might not be as directly a tip um, but is, is is sort of something to internalize and something to think about as we are writing chord progressions, as we talked about in the last episode or in this episode, Melodies. So the first principle is that songs go somewhere. They go on sort of a journey. So your melody should too. And this is something that I see come up a lot, especially with more beginner songwriters. But, you know, we, we don't watch a two-hour movie to have the characters and the plot go nowhere, right? Some movies that happens, but those movies will never become classics. Those movies will be the type of movie that you go watch that, let's say MCU movie. And then five seconds later, you forget anything that happened because all of it was meaningless and pointless. And then the character didn't change. Nothing momentous happened. It just feels like everything kind of got reset. And we also don't listen to a four minute song for it to go nowhere. And if movies don't don't just go nowhere and books don't go nowhere and songs don't go nowhere, it kind of makes sense that our melodies also should go somewhere and not just go nowhere. And all this sounds probably obvious so far, but a lot of melodies will just sort of stay in the same area and not really go anywhere. And they don't really have any leaps. It's all just steps like. Which there's nothing wrong with that. That was all steps. 
But if all of your melodies in a song are that, and all of your melodies are somewhere in this pitch range between here and here, and it mostly just stays. And then the chorus is like, it's just not going anywhere, right? And beyond the fact that that's also a totally disinteresting melody, it also just doesn't go anywhere. And your song, a lot of times, is telling a story, is taking the listener on a journey, whether it's a story journey or a journey through different emotions. The song is not static, it's not stagnant, it goes somewhere. So, melody should too. And, and melodies by default, I think. And, and this might be the first thing that might be controversial, but I think melodies by default are boring. And even as I say that, I, I can like he hear the anger that I'm going to get from some people. But like, isn't that obviously true? Like for anything, if you write a book by default, it's 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 boring. It's same old. It's average. So. If melodies are boring by default. And by default, most melodies are sort of just written in sometimes just the same area throughout the whole song. It depends on the genre too. Some genres are, are worse at this than others. And some genres fit also having melodies that are all in sort of the same area. If you're trying to be James Taylor, then, you know, it can work to have all your melodies sort of all in the same area. But like a lot of music isn't like that. If you have a pop song, it should probably go somewhere. If you have a rock song, it should, the melody should probably go somewhere. But don't confuse a working or functional melody with an interesting one. And this is something that I'm probably going to touch on a, a lot here recently. I think some videos also sort of touch on this, this concept. But to me, one of the biggest differences between somebody who is a beginner at something and somebody who is intermediate or advanced at something uh, I'll compare it to this. This is what I say to software developers that I work with. So if you don't know, by day I do software development, and am a team lead. So the 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 people who just graduated college and they're on my team and they're wondering how do I become a mid level developer? Instead of associate developer. Don't worry, this connects to songwriting. The main thing I tell them is if there's one thing that I think is the difference between somebody who just graduated college, who's a beginner, and somebody who would get promoted to a mid-level developer position is everybody who is a professional software developer or professional songwriter, or not even professional songwriter, I shouldn't say that, uh, just somebody who is a songwriter who writes songs for fun. By default, you should have stuff that works, right? You better write working code no matter what, at any professional level as a software developer. The difference is between writing working code, functional code, and good code. Good code that's actually readable and that sort of thing. I won't get too deep into that because none of you care about that. We're talking about songwriting. And songwriting, I think, is the same same idea. Your your melodies should all work. That's But that's that's not the standard that we should be going for. We should be going for something more than just a functional melody like this. That's a functional melody, right? But, and, 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 you know, you might even like that melody, but that's, that's literally the first thing I came up with randomly here. If give me another half hour, I hope I can one up that and come up with something more interesting than that. So don't just aim for a working melody. A working melody is, is n nothing, it's, especially if 
if we know our basic music theory, you should be able to write working melodies constantly, right? Because if you know your basic music theory, you can improvise. Right, so I just improvise around, but whatever. That's a working melody that works. But I'm not gonna like go be like, oh my goodness, I gotta go listen back to the podcast and and use that in a song because I wrote a working melody. Instead, we need to raise the standard and say, no, no, no. I want to aim for a good melody by default, and probably even what I just did. The me melodies are kind of boring. It was a functional melody, but but that's not a melody that that any of us probably want to take and turn into a song, even though it definitely works. So two, two main ways to go somewhere with your melody. One, change the pitch range for your song sections. So if your verse is down here, all right, so your verse is down there, and then your chorus should move more up here. So it, we went from kind of down here to up here. That's one way, right? Super simple way. Just make sure there's a distinct difference in the pitch range of each of your song sections. That's one great way. Another great way is just to have some leaps instead of steps. And I did a video recently breaking down three things I think we can learn about melody writing from Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On, which is a just a fantastic mel melodically. Um, of course, it's helped that Celine Dion sings it, but the song itself has a fantastic melody, especially the chorus. And one of the things that's fantastic about the melody is it goes somewhere to the point that the, the melody in the chorus, it's one of the few songs that has a leap of an octave in it. Like not just steps the whole way, a leap of an octave. Like it's literally something like, um, what is it? No. Like you get an octave. It has the whole near, far, wherever. It's like the somewhere over the rainbow. Just massive, right? It's a whole octave. Now I'm not saying you need to do that. And depending on your pitch range, that might be very difficult to do. It doesn't need to be that extreme, right? But that's a part of what makes that melody so goosebump inducing that like that's usually where people are going to get the goosebumps if 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 you get goosebumps with any song ever I, I bet that after the key change for that near far wherever you are like that on the where eh, where she leaps off the octave almost certainly every every human being who has a soul probably gets goosebumps there and the large leap is a part of why because the melody is going somewhere. So being intentional about adding leaps to your song and not just steps. If you don't know, steps is basically one note to the next note within the key. So in C major, these are all steps, right? If you go through the scale. That's all steps, but that would be a leap or that. Even that technically is a leap, but it's just a third, so it's, it kind of half counts. But, you know, and then you have massive leaps like the octave, or the seventh. All of these things are going to instantly make your melody more interesting and make it so that your melody actually goes somewhere, which I think is something that is really important and is not the default, I don't think, which we're going to touch on more 
So stay tuned for more more on that because, um, well, we'll just get into the next one. Don't assume vocal melodies should be written with your voice. Your writing tools don't need to be the same as your performance tools. So this is something that I probably learned the hard way after making the mistake of, I I think I just took for granted at first when songwriting that, well, the melody is going to be sung with my voice, so I should write the melody with my voice, which I guess isn't a terrible assumption. Probably a lot of us assume that, but I was wrong. (laughs) A hundred percent I was wrong, and I wish I learned this sooner. Uh, So this could also go into a podcast of tips I wish I learned sooner, which actually might be in a video called that. I'm not sure. But don't assume your vocal melodies should be written with your voice. Your writing tools don't need to be the same as your performance tools. You might write your best melodies with something other than your voice. And don't assume that simply because you sing your vocal melodies means you must or even should write your vocal melodies with your voice. You should write your melodies with your most effective melody writing tool, which for many of you might be your voice, right? So I use this example a lot, but it might be a lot of people. So I'll use this example again. If you're a person who maybe, uh, maybe you're getting into music just for songwriting, this is probably the exception, not the rule. Most people probably start as at least sort of a musician and then they're like I kind of want to write my own songs some people are really good musicians and they're like hey I'm getting bored of playing other people's stuff I want to play my own but if you're a person who you know even might be really elite or great at an instrument but it's not a quote-unquote like songwriting instrument for example flute it's great if you're amazing at the flute but that doesn't really help you as a singer songwriter or in a band generally right especially if you're going to be the singer because you can't sing and play flute at the same time um so if you're somebody like that and your main songwriting tool or, 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 or you're just picking up the guitar just so that you can play an instrument while you sing and because a guitar is generally going to be a better songwriting tool of an instrument than a flute, right? So if, if you're going to write songs, to me, like the easiest tool to get started is the guitar or I guess the ukulele, but the guitar has more long-term potential, I think. So guitar... And then piano, I think, is the best tool. All the greatest music composers of all time are like all pianists, like except Vivaldi is like the only one. But if you if you like look up the greatest composers of all time or the greatest film composers of all time, they are like universally first and foremost pianists with almost no exception. And I don't think that's a coincidence. We talk about that. I I did a whole episode about like why you should learn the piano for writing music. So we're not going to dive into that. But if you are a person where you don't, you're not really great at the piano. Maybe you haven't picked up the piano at all, and you're really just sort of picking up guitar. All you can do is basic chord progressions. Great. In that case, it may be that it, it may be that the your best melody writing tool actually is your voice. Um, but then to go back to the example I was giving, where like maybe you're elite at the flute or violin or something else that's not a songwriting instrument, you might find that you're actually better off writing melodies with the flute that you're already really good at, especially if you're not that much of a singer yet. Uh, you certainly can grow as a singer. I'll just throw that in there. A lot of people, I think, get down on their voice, like, oh, I'm not much of a singer. I'm no Celine Dion or whatever, which, first of all, nobody's a Celine Dion, right? Her, Whitney Houston, 
Freddie Mercury, Steve Perry. These are all like once in a once in all of humankind type of voices, right? So none of us should compare ourselves to them because none of us will compare favorably. Um, but also like you can, in, even without voice lessons, go to like Chris Lipe on YouTube. Chris Lipe has some amazing free vocal stuff out on YouTube. And I don't know him at all. I bought one of his courses, full disclosure, but I mean, I, I, I'm not promoted at all. Uh, or I'm not paid at all. I don't even know Chris Lipe. He doesn't even know I exist. Or I know Chris Lipe, I guess, because I consume his content. But he doesn't know I exist. But you should go check out his stuff. It's good stuff. Uh, specifically on getting better at your voice. But anyway, let's say you're not a great vocalist right now. But you're really good with the violin and you're used to playing super emotional melodies with your violin. And you've even, you know, done some improvisation with your violin or your flute or whatever it might be. That might actually be your best tool for writing melodies rather than your voice. And I just want to quickly talk about two main disadvantages of your voice, because I think a lot of people immediately usually feel defensive about like, oh, but but it's a vocal melody. You got you to sing with your voice. And I get it, right? I, I defaulted to this assumption too. And I'm just telling you, for me, I was completely wrong. I wish I learned this sooner. So that might be true for you too. Uh, so a disadvantage of your voice, number one. Unless you have perfect pitch, it's difficult to visualize what you're singing. And you may say, well, Joseph, visual doesn't matter. It matters what it sounds like. And that's true. Uh, visual should never trump sound, but visuals can be a helpful tool. Like a speech, how it comes across out loud is ultimately all that matters. But if you read a speech, that is a very effective way to figure out, is the speech going to work? Right. So e even though a speech only matters how it sounds out loud, if if written, it were incoherent, but out loud, it would be amazing. It wouldn't matter because it's a speech. It's not meant to be consumed by somebody reading it. But theoretically, if you read it, that's a great way to figure out, you know, whether the speech is going to be effective or not. And the same thing, I think, is true for melodies, where it's just a helpful tool in the tool belt to be able to visualize your melody. Because it's obvious, especially going back to the last tip about have your melody go somewhere. When you're singing, especially for the most of us who don't have perfect pitch, if you have perfect pitch, awesome. Good for you. That's amazing. This part is probably not going to count for you. Um, but for like the 99% of us uh, mortals, we don't have perfect pitch. So I, I have an idea of maybe the pitch range that I might be singing in, but I can't visualize a melody in my head. And certainly not to the degree that I could on a guitar, which is a pretty decent instrument for visualizing a melody, or the piano, which I think is by far the best instrument for visualizing a melody, because it's super obvious. With guitars, you have different strings, and yes, each fret you go up increases by a semitone, so that's straightforward, but whenever you start involving different strings, it gets more convoluted, whether you jumped up a fourth or a fifth, depending on which string to which string. Um, so... Um, a thing that is very helpful is just having the ability to visualize your melody. It's especially good as a diagnostic tool where you're like, my melody's not working. It feels boring. What's wrong? And the, the beauty of say a keyboard is this very obvious where you are in the pitch range. So if I'm just improvising, I'll just hold C in the bass to keep it simple. But like when I'm down here by middle C, 
Like, it's easy to visualize where I am right now. Super easy to visualize, right? I can see it. So I, now I can mentally say to myself, okay, that's verse improvisation, let's just say. So now let's go up the octave to the next C and kind of hover the melody around there for the chorus. Right, so it's easy to visualize, okay, my melody needs to go somewhere. So that's, that's reason number one that is a disadvantage to me for your voice. If you don't have perfect pitch, it's very difficult to visualize that compared to a lot of instruments, especially a piano or keyboard. And then number two, you're likely to do something comfortable when you're improvising. And that's because I, I think we're, we all have this inbuilt, if, if we're improvising with our voice to a chord progression, we hate feeling like we went off pitch, right? I mean, I, mean, I feel like every singer is petrified of doing something off pitch, even if nobody's around, right? You just don't want to do it. So we're going to lean towards not taking risks with our melody. And if we don't take risks while improvising a melody with our voice, we're almost certainly going to end up with something super conservative and super just boring. Like it's just a bunch of like, oh, I, I know I can go down by a note and up by a note. Right? We're going to end up just doing something super all kind of in the same area. We're probably not going to improvise something like, you know, the Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On. You're not going to improvise an octave singing with your voice, probably. With a keyboard, it's super easy to just improvise an octave. That's like, eh, whatever. Right? It's easy to reach an octave with your hand. You don't really think anything of it. But when you're singing and improvising, that's probably something that most of us wouldn't come up with. And just in general, as humans, we default to comfort and we default to whatever is going to be least risky. So it's it's likely that if you improvise with your voice, it will come out very conversational, which may be good. If, again, if you're going for like more of a James Taylor, folky, your song's melody is just sort of really intimate sounding, feels like you have an acoustic guitar and you're in front of a campfire and you're singing and it's all kind of in this, then... This, again, doesn't really apply. But for most of us, we probably want our melodies to be to go somewhere. And a great way to do that is to improvise with something other than your voice when you're writing your melody. Because when you're improvising with your voice, you're probably going to do something comfortable. And something comfortable is probably not going to be that interesting. And, and just to clarify, when I say something comfortable is probably not going to be interesting, it's not that... It's not that the melody should be uncomfortable for you to sing later when you're performing it, but it should be uncomfortable the first time you sing it. Maybe should be is, is overly strong. If you have an interesting melody, it probably isn't going to be super easy to get right the first time. Because for pretty much anything, the level at which you can improvise is always going to be lower than the than than what you can do with practice, right? So this is why if, if you're like a level six out of 10 pianist, probably the piano parts that you write will be a four out of 10 because it's very difficult to improvise at the same level that you can get to at peak performance. Like when you're, you have written music in front of you and you practice the same line over and over and over again until you finally get it right. That's very hard to do improvisationally. You're just not gonna, you're never gonna improvise at the level that you're capable of playing with practice other people's music. Uh, 
So same thing is going to be true for melody. It's just going to be very difficult to write your most interesting melody with your voice, in my opinion. Now, again, it depends. If you just play basic acoustic guitar, you know, you're not shredding solos or anything and you don't really play any other melodic instrument, then yeah, your voice is the way to go. If you don't know any music theory, probably your voice is the way to go. Um, but otherwise, if, if I want to encourage you one, just one side pitch here, you don't need to learn advanced piano anything to learn to just poke out a melody on the piano. And I would submit to you that probably with like two weeks of practice, maybe even less if you already play an instrument, you can get good enough at just poking out a melody on the piano that even though you don't play the piano at all, it still might be the best tool for writing melodies, even if you're not a pianist. Um, but anyway, number three, editing is not just for writing words. We should edit our melodies too. So if writing is exploration, and finding the gold mine, then editing is actually digging until we find a great piece of gold or something that can be refined into a, a big, nice piece of gold. I've talked about this a lot overall, I think, but it's it's an important... I've, I've found this has been very helpful for me and very important to internalize, which is the idea that writing is not this pressure-filled... Don't ask yourself to like sit and improvise poetry... Don't ask yourself to come up with something brilliant off the top of your head. That sets all of us up for failure. And we're going to get disappointed that we didn't like, oh, I didn't improvise a song as great as Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, yeah, of, <laughs> of course we didn't, right? Like one of the better songs ever uh, is, is you're not just going to improvise that because you the muse visited you. Um, I mean, you might, in, in which case, congratulations. But, you know, that's usually not how it's going to go. So... Viewing writing as a discovery process, I felt is a very useful way to look at it. Way more helpful than the pressure filled like, oh, as I'm improvising, I have to come up with something perfect. No, when I'm improvising, I'm discovering. I'm trying to find something that has potential, something that already is like, oh, that's pretty good. Now let's refine it into something great. And it's something I'm, I'm talking about in, in another video. So I won't go too in-depth here, but something that I've been struck by recently is it seems to me that songwriters, for whatever reason, as a, as a group, we tend to be the only writers who seem to resist editing as a huge part of the writing process, right? If you take an author, a lot of them will like write the book or like the first draft of the book in one month or two, and then the next 10 months are spent on editing and rewriting and and making little adjustments to make it work. So they understand that the writing, right, that that first draft or whatever is a small part of the process that results in a great final book. Poets are going to be the same thing, right? They don't improvise poetry and just say, oh, that's it, I'm done. And this is certainly true on the lyrical side of things, but, and 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 I think more of us maybe understand that you need to edit your lyrics, but there's no reason that shouldn't apply to music too. I, th I think sometimes we overly rely because we're musicians and we're kind of used to the concept of I'm going to sit down and I'm going to improvise in D major.
Mm-hmm. Right. So we're, we're used to just whatever. Like, oh, I'm just going to go with the flow. And I think it's too easy to be like, oh, that, uh, that was pretty good. And then just move on and say, like, that's your melody. It's like, no, if, if you have a melody that you think, OK, this, this is pretty good. Edit it. And there's two main ways to me to edit anything musically. One is with an A-B test and another is note by note editing. Let's break down both real quick. A-B test is like what they do at the eye doctor where they'll be like, you know, which one looks better? Number one or number two? And then you say, okay, number two looks better. And like, okay, which one looks better? Number two or number three? You say, okay, number two still looks better than number three. Okay, what's better? Number two, number four, whatever. That eye test at the eye doctor is sort of what we want to do with melodies. If you have, let's say you have a chord progression for your chorus, right? You come up with a melody that works. You're like, oh, that's pretty good. Pretty good melody for the chorus. Don't just be like, okay, I'm done. Instead say, all right, now I'm going to write a different melody for the chorus and see if I can one-up the melody that I just wrote. And then do that three or four more times. Challenge yourself with the next song, at least for the chorus, when you have your chorus melody, you think you improvised your chorus melody or wrote your chorus melody, challenge yourself that you're going to write four more. And for for each one, you're going to say, okay, which one's better, number one or number two? Let's say the first one you improvise is actually better than the second one. Cool. Pick number one. Now write a third one. You might find that third one is better than the first one was. So now you've one-upped your melody, and then you write a fourth one. And again, third one is actually better than fourth one. So the new one isn't better for the second time. But then you write a fifth one, and the fifth one was even better than the third one. So now you've one-upped your original melody twice. Your original melody was great. Second one wasn't, wasn't better. Third one was better. Fourth one wasn't better than the third one. And then the fifth one was even better than the third one. So now you have a better melody than you would have had otherwise, just by deciding that you're going to write five different melodies and pick the best one. And you can, again, do it one at a time, where it's this A-B test, right? So you write the second one, which one's better, A or B? And if B is better, that's the new standard that you're trying to beat. And we certainly can take this too far, right? I'm not saying to do this with every melody you ever write. Sometimes it does feel like... you kind of nailed it the first time, maybe try most of the time to at least try to one up it once. But just for one song, my challenge is, hey, say to yourself, just for the chorus, I'm going to write five different melodies, not five similar, five totally different melodies. See which one is the best. And the first one might be the best, in which case, great. You've now even more so proven to yourself that that first melody is probably pretty good. And then there's note by note editing. Now, there's kind of two main ways to do this. One is a little more dogmatic than the other. One is, especially if you're recording your music, and especially if you're using a keyboard, so you can actually record your melody with MIDI, which basically is just information where I can play this. And then I can literally move the notes and change it so that it was like I played. I can do that later because it's MIDI. And it's really easy to do, and it doesn't distort the sound. So if you're recording music, that's a great way to do it. You take your melody, and you look in your DAW, and you literally will move a note around. Just change one note at a time. You say, okay, this is a terrible melody, right? But this is just an easy example. So let's say this is a melody. Terrible, really boring, but let's just say it's that. So then we can just say, huh, what if instead of the top being that E, let's change it to an F? Okay, what if we change, let's say we think that's better. Okay, what if we change it so that instead of B, 
being C, D, F, and then back to D, C, it's, it's C, E, F. Right? And now we say, oh, I think that's better. So note by note is really just, just it's sort of an A, B test again, but we just change one note or we change the duration of one note, or maybe we remove a note and just hold the previous note longer. Just make a little change and see, is this better? And another way you can do it, especially if you're not recording your music and you're not recording your music with MIDI, you can just sing your melody over and over again or play your melody over and over again and just try one little adjustment, which is basically what I just did. So we have... And just change it a little bit, maybe rhythmically or something. Okay. Okay, that's a little different. So already, right, we took something super boring and terrible, and we at least got somewhere that's, I think, better than what the original was. Still not something that I would ever turn into a song, but... In like 20 seconds, we went from to something a little bit more interesting than that. So just even if it's just play it over and over again and maybe just try adjusting it a little bit, see if you can one up it as you play it over and over and over. Or you sing it over and over again can be a great way. Overall, just don't stick with your first idea that works. Workshop it. If there's one takeaway from this episode, to me, it's that. With anything in your songwriting, but especially with your melodies, never just stick with the first idea that works. Because the probability that the first idea that works would be your best idea if you were to come up with five ideas is very low. This principle is an underlying principle that I think is important for all of creating in general. I have the same principle for, for ideas, right? Where I talk sometimes about the 10 to 1 rule, which is the idea that for every one song that you end up writing, I want you to have 10 different song ideas. And I try to have at least 10 different song ideas. I think my number is more like 25 to one, maybe even 30 to one. Just because I know that not all ideas are not equal, right? Some ideas are way better than others. Some ideas are a better fit for you than they are for me, right? Depending on our life experiences, how much we can speak to those things, or just you know who I am as an artist versus who you are as an artist. There, there are just certain things that are going to resonate with, with people differently. You and I have different artistic identities. So um, it, it's, I think it's just an important thing to internalize to ourselves that we never just, never is a strong word, almost never do we just be like, oh, this is a good idea. Or, oh, this is, this, is a, this is a good melody. And then we just say, I'm done. Let's move on. Always just getting into the habit of, okay, I think I came up with a great song idea, but you know, let's let's come up with more ideas. Let's see if I can beat that. And having a long list of song ideas so that, you know, an idea that you think is brilliant for a song today, two days from now, you might be like, really? Two days ago, I thought that was a great idea. Like, was I drinking that night? What happened? Um, or some other reason. But um, I'll say don't just stick with your first idea it would be a recommendation I have that at least has helped me. Hopefully it will help you as well. Thanks for listening or watching, or both, I guess. Uh, I appreciate every single one of you. Again, if you haven't already, be sure to pick up my free guide on the 10 different ways to start writing a song, if you haven't already. Thank you so much for listening, for watching. I appreciate you, and I'll talk to you in the next one.